the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today we wrap up our series entitled Courageous Christians. Our hope in talking to courageous Christians was to let the light of the gospel shine into our lives through their amazing stories. And I have to be honest, it's been my favorite series. Over the last seven weeks, we have heard such beautiful testimonies. And if you missed them, please go to CourageousChristianity.today and listen to the podcasts. The series began on August 7th, if that helps you to find the first one. You can also find them at kkht.com or on your favorite podcast app. Today, Christy and I are going to talk about what we have learned from our guests about courageous faith. And I'm convinced that as we look into their incredible stories, we will each hear a unique message meant specifically for us as we strive to live abundantly in Christ. And I'm sure you know what I mean when you sometimes listen to a show or maybe a sermon in church and you feel like God is speaking right to you. And so it's my prayer that those of you who are listening really hear what we can learn from our amazing guests. And before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, your love changes people's lives. We hear it over and over, and yet we may still struggle to turn away from the world and to know you more personally. Lord, help us today to hear truth that we can bring into our personal journeys. Help us to learn more about you and about finding our way to you. And for those who know of your love, Help us to hear how we may better serve you, how we may better spread the gospel, and how we may better shepherd our brothers and sisters in the opportunities you establish for us. 
We ask that you bless this conversation and those who are listening, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Christy, did you love this series? I loved it. (laughs) It was so great. There were a lot of times yesterday when I was preparing where I looked at things that guests had said. I was awed. And sometimes I laughed out loud because of some of the funny things that we uh, got into all together. And I guess the thing that struck me, because over the last uh, maybe week, I've actually listened to all of them again. The thing that struck me is how real they are. And it actually seems that in their journeys, it wasn't until they got really real that they experienced the change that brought them to the courageous faith. And so I know it sounds weird to say really real. (laughs) You sound like you're talking like me. (laughs) I'm really, really real. So in one of the introductions to one of the episodes, I said that what makes them courageous Christians is not that they have climbed mountains in Tibet, dug wells in Africa, or walked from Ephesus to Jerusalem. What makes them courageous Christians is that they bring their faith to bear on the world in love each day. They don't shy away from the world, but neither are they conformed to the world. Instead, they lead with their hearts, striving to be Christ-like and to value what God values, and they do so without regard to the likes and dislikes of the world. That's a big deal, isn't it? It is a big deal, but I think it's... I, I recall you saying, I think it was about Jacob... Uh, that he was an ordinary man. You would look at him and think he was an ordinary man. But I guess maybe um, we look at people who, and we perceive that they walk out this faith, and they're not ordinary. But really, it is it is an ordinary person, but it's an extraordinary thing they do to come to Christ. An so ordinary person who made an extraordinary choice and then acted on that choice right. in in the truth. And then Jesus was able to work in them. And it reminds me of something. Uh, I think I said it when we were talking to Pastor Aaron, and it was based on what I got from him. But uh, the more of our lives we give uh, to God to transform, the more he can transform us. Yes. And so I think that getting real is uh, giving it to God to work with and and not being self-righteous, not sitting there in that pretense where we say churchy things or uh, things we've heard other people say and we're not feeling it. And there's also like this little closed door in our heart where we know behind that door there's other stuff that we just don't want to talk about or don't want the world to know. It's like they came face to face with Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Pastor Aaron said, uh, even before you're looking for God, he's looking for you. Right. And uh, like we were saying uh, before, uh, I think the prayer when said, sometimes you feel like a pastor's talking right to you. You come to this place in your life or a radio show's talking right to you. Yeah. And Um, sometimes we're going about our lives and we hear God talking right to us and we know it's us. I think that happened a lot to me when I was first understanding faith, where suddenly I would realize, wait, these aren't my own thoughts. This is not my own voice. I'm hearing from God through somebody, uh, this conversation, this set of circumstances. 
you know, the interesting thing as I think about looking backwards on my life, as you're talking about looking backwards, it's kind of easy to go back and say, okay, this happened to get me to here, but we don't necessarily know it when it's happening. And so if I wanted to take something from looking at all of these courageous Christians and share with the listeners is maybe start opening your eyes and looking for how God is calling you. Yeah, uh, that's such a great point. I was off doing Marine Corps stuff for the last while, and I was teaching in the area of aviation safety culture, which I do often. And uh, one of the conversations was about why people uh, pursue bad decisions, why they pursue bad situations, why they may not adjust uh, and change. And uh, there are these very uh, aviation-oriented terms, uh, automaticity and uh, normalization of deviance and things like this, uh, continuation bias, where we uh, basically all different ways of doing the same thing expecting the result we want, not necessarily looking at things as they are, seeing what we want to see in some situation. And we have to back away from the, the, the trees, the individual trees in our lives, if God's going to speak into what we see and understand in order to show us the whole forest. Right. I think we'll see that uh, as we look at each courageous Christian that they did have a moment somewhere in their life where they did back away and they started looking at the specifics of what was happening. So to kind of give you the big picture for what's going to happen with courageous Christianity over the next few months, we are going to talk today about what we learned from our courageous Christians. And those shows have, uh, there's seven of them. And this is the eighth. And then in our next show next week, we're actually going to say, okay, now that we understand this, what do we do with it? And we're going to talk to Christy in her capacity as a transformational coach about how we change, how we make change happen. And so we'll say, this is what we learned from our courageous Christians And then this is how we can make some of these things happen in our own lives. And then through October, we are going to replay some of the Courageous Christian series in case you missed them so that you can then listen to them in light of this new understanding and this new opportunity, uh, because maybe then God will speak to you in that. And one of the things that I got from our Courageous uh, Christians is that most of them were called twice. Right. In that first calling, they were exposed and maybe even they said, uh, I'm going to pursue Jesus. But then, whether due to worldly circumstances or their own misunderstandings, they did not necessarily experience change in their lives. Right. And do you remember, even before our Courageous Christians, Pastor Jeff Neal talked about that, how when he was 21 or 22, a new second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, he went to a navigator's Bible study, I think he said, and uh, experienced uh, Jesus, wanted more of that for himself, uh, asked Jesus into his heart, but then didn't really change. Right. And so there was a, a guy who got called twice. 
I'm a guy who got called twice. I'm a gal who got called twice. Yeah. And so that's a common theme. Yeah. Now, one thing I did notice is that for people who grew up in a family of faith, maybe they experienced that first call as part of their parents' call, but it didn't necessarily change them. And then the second call was normally brought on by circumstances where they realized that the world isn't what we think it is. And in that second call, because they'd grown up with faith, they realized that they were going to turn to God. Right. For some of us who did not grow up with that kind of love, uh, maybe uh, you grew up with religion, but not the love of Jesus. Right. Then... When you got the first call, you turned to Jesus, then maybe you didn't live for him. Then when you got that second call based on circumstances, maybe it took us a little longer to turn toward Jesus and say, all right, I'm ready to get real. And in that uh, amount of time that it took, often we created more damage. Yes. And we're going to continue in this conversation when we come back from the break talking with Christy Stratton about our Courageous Christian series over the last couple of weeks. Please stay with us. But I'm good for now. I'm fine. How are you? Time is a bullet. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking with Christy Stratton, who is normally my wingman, and I guess today you're still being a wingman? I'm still a wingman. Okay, still being a wingman. But I'm now on a game show. That sounded like game show music. Right. We're going to have a game (laughs) show. And we're talking about our Courageous Christian series, the amazing testimonies we've heard, the amazing stories of faith and love uh, that we've heard over the last seven weeks. And we're going to play a game where I have a long list of quotes that were said by our guests, and I'm going to ask Christy who said them. I'm on the hot seat. You're on the hot seat. (laughs) And Mike, you could uh, play if you wanted to, but um, Mike just gave me a look that tells me he doesn't want to play. Anyhow, all right. He's busy on the controls. He's got a job to do. Are you ready? I am ready. Stop stalling. Here we go. (laughs) I'm not worse than anyone else. You had to give me the hard one first. I think that was, was that Brian? 
Brian Rungi? That was Pastor Brian <laughs> as a little, I think, eighth grader Yeah. when he was called to speak to the pastor about um, doing his Kennedy questions to see if they really understood what Jesus was all about and if they were ready to ask Jesus into their heart. And uh, his pastor is smoking a pipe, and he describes it as a kind of small uh, little office. And he looks at him, and he says, uh, basically, if you died today, would you get into heaven? Ah. And young Pastor Brian Rungi uh, doesn't really have a good answer. And then what occurred to him was, I'm not worse than anyone else. <laughs> Young minds. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's like, well, you know. Um, all right. This is a good one. Okay. Drum roll. Number two. My testimony is a love story. Oh, uh, that is David Savage. Brilliant. David Savage said some really beautiful things uh, about his love story with Jesus and about how a girl broke his heart, and also about how he pictures the community of Christ as an orchestra. Yeah. And we each have instruments to play. And I picture Jesus as the conductor. Right. And if we just play our instrument the way Jesus tells us to, then he will put all those um, melodies or voices together into a beautiful symphony. It was interesting how music came up with a couple of our guests. Yeah. So music with David as a, a, a musical, a, you know, what I think about is the crescendo of his faith as, yes. as it played along, so to speak. Um, and then Brian Rungi, Pastor Brian, talked about how music was part of his worship. Yeah, he also said another cool thing. He said that it wasn't until he heard Christian music outside of church that he realized our faith is not just what we do in church. Right. Our faith is out in the world. And that. he heard that in Christian songs that were played on the regular radio. Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool because, uh, as you've heard me say, 3,746,000 times. Our faith is not what we do for an hour on Sunday. Right. And you ready for number three? I'm ready. All right. Um, Two people actually said something similar. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little space on this one. Okay. I had a drug problem. My mom (laughs) drugged me to church. And every time I say that, I'm like, you need to follow that up really quickly. (laughs) Because the first time I heard it, I was like, huh, what? Uh, Stop stalling. That was uh, Judge Mack and uh, David Savage. Yes. uh, Am I going to win a prize? Um, (laughs) Yes, you will. David Savage said it, and for Judge Mack, it was actually his grandmother who was so influential in his life. And so remember, when said that we're all kind of called twice, and if we grow up around faith, then in that second calling, uh, and not that we should all have to be called twice, because if we do it right, we should only be called once. But uh, most of our courageous Christians describe that they were called, didn't necessarily act on it, and then when circumstances conspired to bring them into a place of just honest I'm at the end of myself, Lord. 
save me. Then they uh, got a second call of sorts. And if they grew up with faith, then they knew God was the answer. But if they didn't grow up with that sort of loving faith, God as a loving father, then it sometimes took uh, a little more time to come around. Yeah, I know. And I think we'll talk about this uh, in the next segment. But like five out of the eight people or the majority of people we talked to were influenced by someone in their very young age from three to kind of 13, 14. Yes. And it tended to be a, a parent, a, a, a mother, a grandmother, or a grandfather. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And the takeaway there, parents, and uh, I actually am forgetting who said it now. It was Jacob. Parents set the trajectory for their children's lives. And we're going to hear that over and over. Number four, it out. Ah, that's Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron, God <laughs> he bless him. He was our him. first guest. He was our first guest, and uh, he struggled with the world, and he had a very religious background. I think he said his family were Jehovah's Witnesses, and so it wasn't the love of Christ to which he was first exposed. It was religiosity. Right. And so he knew that there was an alternative, but he he still pursued the world and he pursued it in drugs and he pursued it on the street and in alcohol. And in his instance, it was the love of his wife right. that brought him to Jesus. Yeah. And boy, did she bring him far uh, with Jesus help because... I love that man. Uh, <laughs> I love awesome. hearing his story. Yeah. And so he says, I love my story and I love living it out. And what I, what I really would ask you to hear in that is we're all a mess. Nobody br- takes a straight path to Jesus. And when we talk about getting honest, getting real in that place where you just quit hiding it and you open the door to your heart and you say, Lord, I'm tired of this pretend game I'm doing please come in and clean me up and help me. And that's your story. And if you can love your story, i.e. love yourself, then you can love others. And keep in mind, scripture does not say love your neighbors. It says love your neighbors as yourself. And so you have to love your story and you have to admire the distance that God has brought you in order to fully know of his love. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. All right. Uh, next embrace what God has put in front of you today. Ooh, you might have me stumped, but I'm going to go with pastor Brian. Nailed it. (laughs) Brilliant. Are you five for five? I don't know. Am I? (laughs) Yeah. And pastor Brian was very serious about, uh, the fact that we're all made for a different place and do that thing. And as a matter of fact, no, that's the wrong one. I have all we these, got lots of notes. Everywhere. I have these crazy <laughs> notes in front of me because I just love the things that people say. And Pastor Brian was very big on the fact that, hey, we're all made for a special place on uh, the Christian battlefield. Yeah, absolutely. And do that thing. All right. Another great one. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian husband. I'm a Christian father. I'm a Christian friend. I'm going to go with. Jacob. Uh, I tried to do that. You get the red X. The raspberry. Pastor Aaron. And he prefaced the whole show with that. The very second we started talking to him after the introduction. What's going on, Mike? Oh, look at Mike. He's got the Jeopardy screen up. Oh. You didn't hear it. No. Did you do that? No. Okay. 
He was trying. So (laughs) the very second we turned the conversation over to Pastor Aaron, he said, I just want to say something up front. And that's when he said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian husband. I'm a Christian father. And I'm a Christian friend. And I think that's such an important thing because it shapes everything else. So when you say, I'm a an American Christian. No, you're not. You're a Christian American. Right. And that's why your faith must guide what you do in the voting booth. And you're a Christian worker. And that's why your faith must control how you do your job. And there's guidance in the Bible for all of it. It even says slaves, uh, you know, serve your masters properly. Um, okay. Uh, here's a hilarious one from a guy who said a lot of funny stuff. You better get on with it. That was Jacob. That was Jacob. <laughs> I liked it. Because he, he said that. He was yeah. like, don't tarry. Don't tarry. I've never heard anybody <laughs> use tarry in a sentence, but God bless Jacob Thompson. And, and just the way he said it, you better get on with it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. This is a big deal. This next quote, trust the process. Uh, trust the process. Is that Jacob again? Uh, that was Pastor Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, and what he's talking about there is something that we've said on the show, and I actually remember saying it at the end of 2020, the last show of 2020, when I said, as Christians, we're in the process business. We're not in the outcomes business. We just put one foot in front of the other in faith and love, doing as best we can the things Jesus has told us to do, and God controls outcomes. And if we think we're in the outcome business because we watch TV and we see worldwide news and we see everything on uh, the Internet, it makes us think, wow, I really do function at the strategic level. I really do function at the uh, presidential level, the electoral level. Gee, I wonder, should we invade Iraq? And I wonder what should happen with North Korea. And the truth of the matter is, that's not it. You function at a local level. We just do right here, right now. And Pastor Aaron talked about that when he said, I don't have all that big stuff. I just have what's right outside my door. Do the next right thing. And that's the process. Right. And so in your reactions to everything, you're going to go first with the process. And uh, that's a big one. And uh, I kind of want to save this next one for the beginning of the the next okay, segment because it's a good one. It's a funny one. It's from a guy who said a lot of funny stuff. And friends, I hope what you're hearing here is these are just real people and they struggled. They struggled with drugs and they struggled in relationships and they got their heart broken and they struggled with work. And even when they were successful, they knew it wasn't all there was. And they turned to Jesus and found him. And that is available to each of us and all of us by faith in him. And we're going to talk about that in the third segment. Stay with us. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need your help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. 
I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelo, and I'm actually Richard Mendelo himself. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> and we're talking with my wingman, who wants to be called a wing person, but we're not going to change the history of naval aviation for that nonsense. No, I've taken it. I've, I'm You've taking it on. You've been a sport about it. You I really love have. it. It's great. And she supports me and our ministry in absolutely everything and if uh, you were all here with us, I'd say let's have a round of applause for Christy Stratton. Um, Mike, let's have a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we are playing a game where we're taking quotes that were said by our courageous Christians over the last two months since and August seventh. I'm, I'm not doing so bad. You've only missed one. Oh. And there's a total of eleven. So right now you're doing really well. I and like to make A's. I know. And Christy is, I'm saying who, uh, the quote, and she's guessing who said it. And the last one we finished with was trust the process. Right. And that was Pastor Brian. And we talked about how as Christians, we're not in the outcomes business. We're in the process business. And Jesus showed us the process. And it is amazing what a friend we have in Jesus. This next one said simply in three words, spit it out. I know exactly who that is. That's Pastor Brian Rungi again. Pastor Brian. I love it. Just spit it out. <laughs> just spit it out. Talking about the gospel, talking about your uh, testimony, talking about what God has done in your life. I've had such fun with the, uh, you better get on with it. You better get on with <laughs> you it. You better get on with it and just spit it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you better get on with it. You didn't miss you better get on with it, did you? 
Uh, no. No. Okay. That, that was Jacob. And he said, you better get on with it. Don't tarry. Um, all right. You ready for the next one? I'm ready. God transforms our... I already wrecked this one. I said it earlier. God transforms <laughs> our lives to the extent we give him our lives to be transformed. And truthfully, it's sheer genius. Whoever said that is brilliant. And I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, it was me. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, look at you that. You couldn't even... Let me say that again just because it's my show and I said it. God transforms our lives to the extent we give him our lives to be transformed. And in a second, we're going to talk about what all of our guests had in common. And we've already mentioned, first and foremost, get real. When we give that to him and trust him with it and say, Lord, I'm tired of carrying this around. I'm tired of the story I'm telling myself. I'm tired of this baggage everywhere I go. I want to leave it at the foot of the cross. I want to leave it with you. And I trust that you will still love me. And that is the absolute truth. And don't feel bad. We all have it, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or whatever. And then we bring that to him and we trust him. And he takes our dirty, muddy uh, clothing and he turns them into white robes. So uh, the next one, you ready? I'm ready. I kind of sort of already spoke to this one a little bit, but when you start to look for God, he's already started looking for you. That's Pastor Aaron. It's Pastor Aaron, and the scripture for that would be Luke chapter 15, when he talks about the prodigal son and how the father of the prodigal son sees him from a long way off when the prodigal son returns, and that means he has to be looking for him. And as Christy mentioned earlier, when you think of your journey in Christ and as you get further along, you'll look back over your life and you'll see the places where God um, was standing on a street corner or spoke into your ear about this or uh, a lot of things with me. I saw these situations that I should have been killed. I should not have survived, uh, whether in Afghanistan or uh, in a, a fighter jet. Uh, an attack jet about to hit the mountains at night in the clouds. And a voice said to me, pull up and just amazing things. And then you look back over your life and you realize he was always there and he was always shaping things. And the shoes in which you're standing right this second are the shoes in which you are meant to be standing. And it's in this place that you have the opportunity. And that's when you remember what we've said so many times, do what you can where you are with what you have. You can't wait to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Because it matters. It matters. It matters so much. And we're going to talk about that because somebody is always looking. Parents, your kids are looking. They're watching. When you say grace at the table and you really thank God, your your children see that. And then when they hear that call or when circumstances get the better of them, they know where to turn. And that brings us to our last one. And I kind of mentioned this one already also. Parents set the trajectory for our kids' lives. I'm uh, I'm a bit at a loss. I'm going to guess David Savage. Jacob. Jacob. Yes. Yeah. And he tells a beautiful story. Uh, he's a, a little guy. And he sees a video at a Kanakuk, uh I don't know if I said it right, um, uh, conference, and then later a revival comes to town, and um, 
the uh, pastor says, come to the front, and if you're scared, grab somebody. And this tiny little guy, I think he said he was eight, he grabs his dad, and they go down, and he accepts Jesus. And in the car on the way home, uh, his dad talks to him, and he bursts into tears, and his dad says, I understand, and everything is okay. And he explains to him about it. And I'm friends with his brother, Josh. And Josh said that they always knew he was going to be in ministry. Either he was going to be like a movie star or a game show host or a pastor because he's just so out with it and uh, real. And so that brings us back to, as we think over our guests, what all they have in common. So you already mentioned that for the most part, they all saw faith at a very early age from five to 14 in a family member. Yeah, they had a strong role model in faith. That faith was brought to them, displayed. um, uh, they, They were influenced at a very young age. And I think that my biggest takeaway from that is Uh, if you're blessed to have children, how important it is. If we're looking from this, you know, not necessarily a statistical sample, but the majority of our courageous Christians had that influential person very young in their life, and kids are watching. I think it goes back to what we just, what was the last one that... I, I couldn't get <laughs> the parents set their traje- trajectory Jacob. for yeah, yeah. For our lives. And so the power that the parents have, the, the influence they have to bring Christ into their homes and, uh, Hey, I'm going to say it now, you know, spit it out and don't tarry. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> yeah. We can't mess around. We got to approach all of this with a sense of urgency. This idea that I'm going to live my life. And then shortly before I plan on dying, I guess I'll give it all to Jesus and ask him to clean me up. That ain't how it works because God does his work through us. And pastor Aaron, uh, explained so beautifully, uh, that his heart just breaks for people living in darkness. And he knows that darkness. He knows the darkness of drugs and addiction. And we have got to get ourselves squared away so that we can then do our mission on the spiritual battlefield. And uh, if you got one foot in and one foot out, if you're on the fence, don't tarry. Right. I guess the thing that because of my past, not that I, not that I didn't grow up with some sort of hints, so to speak, of uh, religion, maybe, uh, but there was not a strong role model or influence in my life as a as a young person, and it took me a long time to really to get around. Yeah, to to find Jesus, and it, and maybe my life was a little bit harder, but but by no means do I regret any of it because I wouldn't be where I am today. And there again, uh, uh, Pastor Brian said, "Understand that God has placed you." where you are, and that's the job he wants you to do. And I'm grateful for everything. So I don't mean that I'm not grateful, but I see the power that an influential role model and a young, for a young person has. Okay. So commonalities, they all had a place where they got real and then they made the choice and they gave it over and they came to the end of themselves and they wanted God and Jesus And most of that took two times, as it did with me. 
I accepted Jesus January 10th, 2004 at the Cracker Barrel in Gary, Indiana, but I did not really change how I lived my life. And it wasn't until 2014 uh, that that happened. And then family. Uh, So what else did you uh, connect? You know, this may be reaching a little bit, but when we asked them the definition of a courageous Christian, what I think that I saw that they saw in a courageous Christian is what they needed to be courageous. So for example, David Savage said the definition of a courageous Christian is somebody who's vulnerable. I just have one word, but he spoke about it was the vulnerability that brought him to Christ. Yeah. And ironically, after he got his heart broken by a girl, his takeaway from that was, I will never be vulnerable again. And then he turns around and says his idea of of courage is somebody who makes themselves vulnerable. And I think that's a big deal, friends, because we are all vulnerable in our sin. We're all vulnerable in the worldly story we're telling ourselves about who we should be or what we've done wrong or the mess we've made of things. And we have to get courageous and say, I'm going to stand in the glare of the truth. I'm going to embrace that vulnerability and I am going to say, Jesus, I have done these things. You know them. You've seen them. Help me now to be clean so that I can choose you and start living for you. Right. And uh, you, you kind of hit on something because each of their definitions of courageous Christianity involved some uh, long-seated need or right. expression. Kind of a mirror. Yes, absolutely. And folks, we're going to talk about that more in the final segment as we come back. Please stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281 656 1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281 656 1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelo and Christy and I are talking about the Courageous Christian series that we've listened to over the last seven or eight weeks, seven weeks. I think this is the eighth episode in the series, and it's been totally uh, brilliant. We have talked to some amazing people, and I just want to thank them for their honesty and for sharing their testimonies and for giving us the opportunity to learn from their journey. And we all see them now in this amazing place where they stand with their feet firmly planted in the love of Jesus. And it's easy to think they were always in this place. And then it's easy to say, well, I'm not in this place, so I'm doing something wrong. But what we must hear in their stories is that Jesus brought them along. They came here over a lifetime of uh, heartbreak or mistakes or regrets and sin and 
Jesus made it all clean and of use. And now they stand with their feet firmly planted in his love as these people we can just admire so much. And that opportunity is there for each of us, regardless, because as we're going to talk about in a little bit, somebody is always looking. So we asked each guest the question, how do you define courageous Christianity? And it's so important for us to hear because as we alluded to at the end of the last segment, who and what we are changes what we see and what we value. And that changes what uh, we bring to everybody around us. And it affects our definition of courageous Christianity. So I'd like to read them to you. I've written them down carefully. I listened to all the shows. And this is what our amazing guests said. Pastor Aaron said of courageous Christianity, the man who's willing to stand on the line and say, let me tell you about my Jesus, regardless of the repercussions, regardless of how you're viewed by the world, so that another man who's lost, who is dying, can see that light in you. Mm. And that speaks to the witness that we provide and how if you lead with your heart, you'll just never be wrong. And it's so easy in this day and age to not see that man or to even see him as a challenge or an obstacle. But our faith is not some perfect little place where we love this easy to love world. Our faith is that that challenging place. Seeing them as a child of God. Seeing them as a child of God with all the potential that each of these courageous Christians ultimately represented. Right. Yeah. It's so amazing what God does. Okay. Our next definition from Jacob Thompson was this, trusting and loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. And he added I can't say that I love and trust the Lord if I'm not obedient to the Lord. And Jacob spoke to obedience very much, and it is absolutely true because he is first Lord, then Savior. So when you report for duty and you take a knee before the the Word, God's Son, Jesus Christ, and you say, I am here to serve you, Lord, he first has your obedience as a Lord, And then he cleans you up, dresses you in white robes and his armor and sends you out on the battlefield to do his mission. I think he spoke to that obedience as that that place of I I love Jesus so much that I want to be obedient. Yes. Versus what some people could hear is, you know, the disciplinarian and the religiosity. So he spoke to that obedience with his heart. You notice how none of these uh, courageous Christians are in religiosity. Right. Mm -mm, Not at all. And while you keep talking, I'll find (laughs) find a note on that. Christy's telling me to keep talking. (laughs) Our next definition of courageous Christianity was David Savage. And as we alluded to, he defined it as being vulnerable and relinquishing all fear of being judged by the world. And I think we have to relinquish that fear when we look at the world and say, it's a mess, and I don't want to be a part of that mess. And I'm not really concerned about that mess not liking me, because the truth of the matter is, if that mess doesn't like me, then I'm probably doing things right. Right. Did you find it? 
I did to go back, and I, I know you'll do something great with this. Uh, Pastor Aaron said he hung out with people in the religion, but not in the relationship. Not, uh, yeah, but not is... into the relationship. He really spoke about that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, for anybody who's gotten themselves into a very bad situation, then you come to the end of all of the rules and all of the this and all of the that, and you call your dad on the phone right. and you say, Dad, I've done this thing and I need help. Right. And that is God. And his son Jesus is the means by which we call on God. And through all that, he said Jesus became real to him. Yeah. Not anyone else. Always a relationship, a loving relationship based on God's first loving uh, us. Judge Mack defined courageous Christianity as doing a little bit more. And I so admire that in a day and age where everybody's looking for a shortcut and everybody has reasons why they're entitled to things and not necessarily as concerned about their responsibilities within the kingdom of God. And a lot of times we think it's about us and it's not. It's about the good that we can do. And that involves doing everything as if unto the Lord. And uh, Judge Mack captures that when he says, do a little bit more. Pastor Brian defined courageous Christianity in this way. Courageous Christianity understands that God has placed you where you are, and that's your job. And he added, everyone has a voice, and we need to be courageous and spit it out. <laughs> Just spit and it that's out. that's so important because it somebody is. else needs to hear. They and do. each of our people heard from somewhere. And again, I have to go back to the, to the young age. Spit it out. Spit it out. Okay, so last but not least, I want to hear Christie's definition of courageous Christianity. What, you don't know it? <laughs> Tell me. A courageous Christian chooses to live by example. And that's hard because first and foremost, you got to walk it out. You got to be it. You got to choose it. Yeah, that's a big deal in the Marine Corps as well, where you say, I've got to be these things I'm asking my Marines to be. Right. I've got to turn from the world. I don't want any more of this. It's I now I'm going to make better choices from who I spend my time with to the things I do, the things I watch, the things I listen to. Amen. That's the truth. And that brings us to our moment of truth, because in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this to remind ourselves that God's word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant and that it never fails. And our moment of truth today from Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two really captures a lot of what we've said. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And these verses just tell us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and they remind us that we have a race to run. And that race will impact that cloud of witnesses. And they caution us to stay away from sin and to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So what I hear in these verses that people are watching and the way we deal with life and its inevitable struggles will affect them. And it will affect what they see in us. And this was certainly true for our courageous, Christian, uh, our courageous Christians because each of them told how they were changed by what they saw in family or friends. 
Pastor Aaron was changed by his wife's love. Judge Mack was changed by his grandmother. Pastor Brian saw faith in his grandfather. Mary Scally witnessed the effect faith had on her parents. Jacob Thompson was guided by his father and a mentor named Dr. Ballard. Pastor Brian was changed when he witnessed the courage of a fraternity friend. And David Savage was introduced to Jesus by his mother. So another commonality between our courageous Christians is that they each struggled in the world. Some struggled with drugs and alcohol. Some struggled with difficult relationships. Some struggled to find their proper place. Some struggled to turn away from worldly success. And often it was in dealing with these struggles that they found Jesus in that very real sense. So finally, what I believe our courageous Christians share is best summed up by Pastor Aaron, as I mentioned earlier, when he said, I love my story and I love living it out. So what I hope you heard through this series is that in every Christian journey, there will be a struggle to shake loose of the world. And then there's a struggle to strengthen faith and to develop spiritual gifts. And then there's a fight to bring those gifts to bear. So as you have consistently heard, the struggle is a refining gift. And my conclusion is that each of us has a unique journey in Christ, which prepares us for a distinctive place on the spiritual battlefield where we bring our faith to bear on those living in darkness. And that is courageous Christianity. How's that? Just beautiful. Just amazing. Yeah. I've been so inspired by this series. I absolutely have too, because something that was said by Judge Mack about being extraordinary. Yeah. And the world wants us to be ordinary and it starts leaning on us in high school where it says fit in, don't upset the apple cart, try to be what other people want you to be, wear the right clothes and so forth. And uh, I'm happy because I always kind of felt like I was on the outside of all that. Right. And so I think it was easy because I was never the popular kid. And so that wasn't hard for me to give up. Well, as Pastor Aaron said, when you are uh, when when you're looking for God, He's been looking for you. So He was always looking for you. I always ha- I also had fun with some of the sayings. You better get on with it. Trust the process. Do a little more. Spit it out. I've had such fun with that. Yeah, that tells a story, doesn't it? Well, friends, I hope what you have heard in everything is that we are loved by the Creator of the universe that he sent his son to die for us, that we would be cleaned up and restored to him and refined. And as a holy nation of priests, we now have an opportunity on the spiritual battlefield, wherever we are, whatever we've done, wherever we can bring our faith to bear, whether it's in a line at a grocery store on a street when we help somebody, that's our amazing opportunity in Christ. And so thanks for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.